Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Happy Monday, everybody, my favorite day of the week. And I want to welcome you to my show today, where my guest, not where, who my guest is, is Bahar Ansari. She is a practicing attorney and the co-founder of Case One. Welcome to the show, Bahar. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to sharing your story today. I don't think I've ever had a show in these three and a half years where we have focused specifically on law and the law practice. And I'm really, I'm looking forward to to being educated by what it is that you're doing. I, I think it's fascinating when I read about you um, on your websites. But I thought before we could get really into the the show today, I thought maybe you could just share with our listeners just a little bit about yourself because I think you have a very interesting background and I'd like to know more about it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so my background, oh, where do we start? Um, I'm originally from Iran. I actually grew up in Iran until I was around uh, 15. I actually started high school here, so English is my second language. And um, I moved out here when I was in high school, uh, out here, I mean, in, in Southern California with my family. And started, obviously, attending school. I had no idea what I would be when I grew up. So in, in high school is when I got uh, kind of, you know, the jokes that you are you so well, you should be a lawyer, which is not at all what being a lawyer is about, by the way. If, if anybody <laughs> says that to you, that you're a great arguer and you should be a lawyer, don't be a lawyer. That's not true. So uh, I kind of got the idea planted. And obviously, you know, being from Iran and having, uh, you know, super political parents and and they were always in the law and always talking about the law, the lack of law or or right. So it's something that I was always interested in. So the more I read about it, I realized that that's what I want to do at a very young age. So kind of everything else after that fell into place of where I want to go to school, what I want to major in and and all of that. So I was a mini lawyer to start with and that never changed. That's- um, May I interrupt you real quick because what sure. your English is really excellent. When you came here <laughs> from you. Iran, were you already speaking English at that point? A little bit, yeah. So my parents were uh, educated here in the States and they moved back to Iran right before the revolution happened and then they got married and had kids. So it was always important for them to, to teach us English and put us in English classes because they knew they would move back eventually you know having two daughters in that system wasn't really what they wanted so uh they kind of prepared us for a move 
That's interesting. Okay, so go on. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was very curious about that. So now your education, believes uh, begins, and and where did where did you go to college? I went to college in Orange County, where we moved to. You know, we moved around so much initially. So uh, when we got settled here, I didn't really want to move anymore. So I went to college locally in Orange County, and then I went to university to Cal State Fullerton. And I also went to law school in Orange County. I went to Whittier. Um, you know, unfortunately, I was going, I was starting law school in 2008, 2009, which was the worst time in the economy. So I went to where I got the most scholarships, and it was a great school. And uh, once I was done with law school, I went back to school uh, to UCLA, and I got my LLM from there. So just Southern California. <laughs> No kidding. Well, that's that's really that's terrific. So uh, you you mentioned sort of your background with being with parents that had an interest in what was going on in the country. I have um, Iranian neighbors that are really family to me, and I we, we sometimes speak about the fact that their parents and some of their families still live in Iran, and I so I know a bit about the culture. I certainly. I'm never turned down without having Iran, you know, Persian tea offered to me. Whatever time of day I go there, it's on the stove and ready to go. I love my neighbors so much. And I also wanted to give a shout-out, before I forget, to Takia Overstreet, because she is the one that connected you and me together. And I've actually um, had other guests on my show because of Takia, so I wanted to thank her very much because you never know where where a guest comes from and I'm I'm delighted that she did connect us. But so I'd like to, so what the show is really about law and and the practices of law. I'm really curious to know why did you actually want to become an attorney. I know I the, the thing about oh you argue so much you make a great attorney. Trust <laughs> me, that was what was said to my daughter from about the time she was eleven till she got through UCLA. So that and that was that struck me very funny when you said that because that was always oh Julie would be a great attorney. She argues about everything. That just cracks me up. So why did you want to become an attorney? But you know, funny thing, I wasn't the argumentative person. I was actually really really shy. And I wasn't oh. really talkative. My family wouldn't say that. I wasn't shy with my family. But in general, publicly, I was shy. Especially in school, I was shy. I I was a little hesitant going to law school because I was shy about speaking and thought I have an accent. You know, as kids, you go through all of this yes. to decide what to do. So that was definitely a concern. I want arguments. I started. I'll stick with that. But um, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Oh, that's that's really great. Well, so, um, so so what 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 was I mean? Was anybody an attorney in your family? Did you have some inspiration that kind of guided you that way? My mom wanted to be an attorney, so my mom studied political science, and and she wanted to be an attorney, but um, kind of changed her mind, and she didn't have a very supportive family about it. And uh, she went, obviously, back to Iran around the revolution, so that kind of fell through the crop. But I never even knew about that until I was in law school. So <laughs> I don't know if the inspiration came from there exactly, but uh, she's always been a human rights activist. So is my dad. So that's been a huge uh, part of our family. We've always been in- involved in, in 
charities and and a huge advocate for for voting and and all sorts of rights and and mm-hmm. uh, studied studied kind of politics and human rights in other countries and international treaties and and it was it was always a subject that was talked about at home so really my inspiration of becoming an attorney I wanted to uh, be a human rights attorney and work for the UN and that didn't change until I graduated law school so that Hmm. was always yeah that's interesting and is there a story behind why you didn't want to go to the UN I mean you don't just share it if you don't care to I just just curious no, I, I always looked into it, and, and when I was actually getting my LLM at UCLA, I took a trip to Kenya and and almost stayed to work for the UN, and obviously my parents didn't like that idea very much, but uh, I realized quickly that there are so many other ways that you can you can help people, and it's not just international human rights. When you, when you think that, you um, immediately, you know, talk about treaties and and, uh, how people's rights are being taken away by by their governments. And it's a big thing to do, and you play such a small part of it. But to be a human rights attorney or anything in human rights is just making a change and helping people, even if it's just one person. So when I Mm -hmm. realized that, you know, uh, coming out of law school in combination with you know, having to gain work experience and then student loans kick in, which is you know, a common problem for everyone, not just law graduates. Reality kicks in and, you know, you fall in a routine. And I, I took a job uh, out of law school and um, it, it was completely unrelated to what I wanted to do. I worked for a litigation firm in L.A. doing uh uh, defense work, doing uh, insurance defense work, um, oh which, goodness. you know, the, the night I took that job, I, I told my parents, I feel like I'm selling my soul to the devil. What did I do? <laughs> and and I took the job and I realized, you know, no matter where you are and which side you're playing on, you can help people and make a difference. In my case, I was representing insurance companies, but at the same time, you're in charge of dealing with the opposing counsel and and reading the merits of the case on these medical reports and you you get to know these people and uh, your job is to make sure that the process is fair and um, what they're given at the end, the the award at the end is fair. Not overpaying, Mm -hmm. which which means you're taking away from somebody else, not underpaying, which means, you know, you're, you're not giving them what they're entitled to, but just fairness. So even yeah. from that side, I I, uh, I found a way to stay within my lines and and do what I wanted to do. That makes sense. What what do you like best about being an attorney? If you somebody was to think, oh, I want to be an attorney, you got a, a kid in high school that's interested in going to college and studying political science and and things like that. What would you say to them that you like best about being an attorney? It's just the ability to make a change. You can you can make an impact, whether it's small on, on one person that's your client or as big as affecting and changing laws through through your work or if you go the route of politics, which <laughs> that's not the route I want to recommend, but in any way mm-hmm. where uh, we live in a country where it's common law based and 
you never know what case is going to end up being the case that that changes the course of the law forever and, and something specific. So just you have to want change and, and be open to change because things, you know, the law changes so quickly, uh, the environment changes so quickly, everything is changing. So you have to be open to it and like it and want to make it uh, to survive and enjoy your life as okay. a lawyer. I can see that. Why do you think that that knowledge of law is so important for all people? If you think about it, everything in life that you do, like, for example, let's let's just take a simple example, like marriage. It's a contract. Mm -hmm. It's governed by laws. Uh, Parenthood, guardianship, governed by laws. Uh, Any sort of financial transaction, whether it's business, personal gifts, governed by laws or some sort of tax consequence. Anything that you do, you can somehow pinpoint it to the rules and regulations. And um, I have so, so many examples, like countries, different country relationships by different treaties, any business relationship by partners. So you can start from a tiny level of just your immediate family and friends and your relations with them. Uh, your relations with the places that you live, uh, landlord, tenant, ownership, whatever it is, your relationship with the government, whether it's the um, you know, commercial, criminal, taxes, whatever it is, your ticket, your driving, anything that you do involves laws. And the more you know and the more knowledge you have, the more you can stay within those guidelines and, and let's just say not get in trouble. So it's important to have knowledge of the laws, and it's important to know what your rights are to be able to identify when uh, you've been walked all over or when you have a case. That's, you know, I, that's so fascinating because I never really thought about that. But I guess it's really true. There are all kinds of laws in our everyday life that, you know, many of us, don't think about until there becomes a, a point where you feel like you need legal um, help. But I never really thought about the applications of how you just said that, you know, getting, like you said, getting a ticket for uh, a camera catches you going through the red light, but you didn't feel that that was true and there was malfunction in the light and who's going to represent you. I, I, that, that, that's really fascinating. That was a really terrific yeah. answer. I, I really... I appreciate that, but I know that it's <laughs> you know, really – what's that? Um, the law is really looked at kind of like the ER, that people don't approach a lawyer or get help until it's absolutely necessary, until there's some urgency and something has happened. Whereas if, if you look at it in um, like a preventative care way, uh, you can avoid all sorts of issues that could be really time-consuming and costly. For example, if somebody wants to start a business and they don't really do their homework and, and form the right uh, agreement or file the right forms even, it, it could have really grave consequences at the end. So if, if you understand, at least just understand the law to know when you should ask for help before anything happens, then um, you've really saved yourself a lot of time and money. Yeah. I know for myself personally, just speaking from a personal position, you know, you reach a, a, a time in your life where, you know, you have property and you have children and 
you realize, my gosh, if something was to just happen suddenly, you know, where does, where does your money go and how? So you have to hire an attorney, and of course, and you want to put your money, your house into a trust, and of course. And, you know, when I think about that, and I think, well, I don't really have any parts of my life that involve law. Well, yes, I do. Now that, now that you put it like that, preventative, like you say, like before you get to the emergency room, let's get this, you know, let's get this in place. Do you want a directive about your health if something should happen to you? I, you know, I guess, you know, really, it, 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 it's really a positive as opposed to anything negative. It's a way of protecting yourself and informing yourself. And I think that, that that's, you know, I think that's really, really important. And particularly what's important to you is how to help immigrants. Is that right? Why is that so important to you? Well, besides the fact that I am an immigrant, um, I really believe that the first um, human right, you know, aside from the basic things, is a freedom of movement and uh, immigration just worldwide, not just to the U.S., is really important. Not everyone in the world wants to live in the U.S. There's a huge population actually moving out of the U.S. and migrating to other countries. So just freedom of movement and Mm -hmm. um, just being familiar and understanding a brand-new system is is very difficult. And we had a lot of challenges as a family when we moved. So uh, it was something that was always close to my heart. And besides my personal experience, I really didn't have any exposure to it in school or anything. So uh, it, w- it was um, something that I was passionate about and I, I chose to practice and um, never look back. <laughs> yes, I... I- my neighbors are are working with this you know situation of immigration right now with with their aging parents and 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 getting them you know lawfully into the US it's not an easy process what what are your thoughts about this country's uh immigration laws cuz they're pretty they're pretty demanding what would you say about that you know from my side as a lawyer i, I don't really care what's going on politically uh, mm-hmm. The point is laws change, especially in this area, so rapidly. And for people, it's, it's hard to keep up and understand. Even as lawyers, it's hard for us to keep up and understand what's going on uh, and what new regulations are coming out. All right, this new thing was just issued. What's going to happen with these people? What's going to happen with this deadline? So it's it's a complicated system, and it wasn't built to be a system um, – for you to have to be represented in. It's it's kind of like the family law system where you still need attorneys, but it was built for you to be able to do it yourself. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's not clear enough uh, for, for people to understand. And and more, more likely than not, if you are immigrating somewhere, you're not speaking that language. So it's it's difficult to navigate the system as is, let alone with, with the changing political climate. So it's... Um, I think it's a really important area of law. It's rapidly growing and it's getting more and more complicated. And um, it's it's important to stay on top of the regulations and understand what your current status is um, before, you know, let's not get into it, before any of the stuff that's happening to a lot of these families being separated starts happening to, to you or your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Can you talk a little bit about um, obtaining the proper paperwork here in the U.S.? Because that is can be a real challenge, can't it? Yes, yes. So, you know, the U.S., um, we have about, and, and maybe the statistics have changed, but there are about 1.2 million lawyers in the country. Now, um, even with that, there is a huge access to justice problem. So people either can't get to lawyers because of geographically where they're located, they can't afford lawyers, which is probably a, a number one factor of people not retaining attorneys, and they're not getting the proper paperwork or permits necessary when they get here or even before they arrive. The, the biggest problem, politically, everything that's spoken about is about mostly illegal immigration. Now, mm-hmm. why are there so many illegal Im- immigrants? Forget about the political aspects of it, but some people mm-hmm. just don't have the proper advice or the proper paper or just missed a deadline or something innocent may have happened. So mm-hmm. with just knowledge of what's necessary and uh, you know, accessible and affordable legal services, this wouldn't be such a big problem or it shouldn't be such right. a big problem, I should say. Right. Right. I suppose it's like anything that you don't know about is finding solutions. And I believe that this is part of what you and your partner's business is all about. And um, you have two companies. And I thought we could spend a little bit of time now talking about Case One, because that was the first company that that you co-founded with do you want to tell us about your partner and a little bit about what this company is all about? Sure, sure. So Case One is our first company. We launched it in the U.S. a couple of years ago. And um, it's really tech-related project management solutions for lawyers. At a time, uh, I had my own solo practice, and I I was drowning in, in paperwork and emails and messages and just um, a lot, a lot to keep up with. And um, I wanted to scale my firm, but you get to a point in any business where you can, you're, you're busy enough where your business is doing well, but you're not busy enough to be able to afford to bring on staff. So when I really looked at it, I realized, okay, these are the, my challenges, my top three to five challenges can be resolved from resolved with technology. I looked around in the market uh, to see what's out there, and there was really nothing that exactly fit my needs. And at a time, uh, I had a client who, uh, who was a software developer, and uh, I, was, I was having a really bad day, and I was really frustrated. And um, I had a meeting with, with him and, and his wife, and I obviously never let my guards down, but in that instance, I was so frustrated, and she kept asking me, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I just let it all go, and I, I explained to her where my frustra- frustration was coming from. And she asked me, well, what would help you? And I said technology, and she said, well, describe it to me. I might, I might know some people I can introduce you to. So I described mm-hmm. to her my problem, and, and she said, you know, we have this friend uh, who's, who's you know, develop some stuff for lawyers. Well, I'm not exactly sure uh, what he does, but let me ask. Let me just ask, 
see if they can build something for you or, or if you can license what they have. And she introduced me to my now partner, Alex, and uh, we had one conversation and, and one meeting. And, and Alex is originally from Russia, and he was in Russia at a time. So uh, we met one time all in the course of one month, and we decided that there is a real need in, in this market. And, and for me at the time, it went from, okay, let me take this and scale my business to, oh, my God, this would help so many people. And by providing this help to a lot of attorneys, these attorneys are able to help more people. So it's, it's a much more scalable way of what I want to do to touch clients. So let's, let's do this. And, and we launched Case One. That's, I, could, I, would, I mean, you couldn't be the only attorney walking around with those same frustrations where you're trying to, like you say, manage so many things that you're, yeah. you, you almost, you get paralyzed. It's like, I, I, there's only 24 hours in the day. I do need to sleep. How do I do all of this and be effective for my clients? And those were such great questions because when she asked you, well, what could you use? What kind of help would be helpful to you? You didn't say, gee, I don't really know because actually you did. I wish I could have this. I wish I could have that. I wish I could have this. And it's like, well, let's mm-hmm. let's see what we can do to make it happen. Have you been able to market case one to lots of different law firms with that in mind? Yeah, yeah. So uh, when we first launched the business, obviously right now as a part of our clients, so we have anywhere from a solo attorney to large law firms to legal departments of of large corporations, but. What's interesting about the industry is probably one of the last professional industries to have any sort of automation. Still to this day, it's an extremely traditional industry. Like you can't imagine an accountant without some sort of accounting software. You can't imagine hospitals and doctors being on paper. You can't imagine um, salespeople without the proper uh, system to work on. But here we are with with one of you know the fashions uh, probably in the world that is super traditional mm-hmm. and still on paper and and this is this is globally this way. I mean we're we're now working in a few Eastern European countries. We're in Africa. We're in Middle East, South America. We're launching in Brazil. This is a common problem. It's a global common problem in, in the uh, legal industry. Um, uh, you know, contrary to belief, lawyers are actually very resistant to change. Um, you know, you're you're trained to look, <laughs> you're trained to look in the past for laws and precedents, and and that's where you're you're comfortable. And it's still uh, there's a lot of hierarchy coming up in the firm when you're working as a, as an associate to get to a partner level. So you kind of stick with a system and and you start working in the same system. And then you get used to the same system, or these attorneys get used to the same system as I was when I started my firm. I was still paper-based because that's how I had worked previously at my firm. And you really don't get any practical training in school about how to actually be a lawyer, the process, the day-to-day. You're learning theory. And um, you come out, and your first exposure and experience kind of becomes uh, the process that you learn of, of how to be a lawyer. And still to this day, it's an industry that's um, billions of dollars annually, and it's still about 
less than 30% penetrated technology-wise. That, that means lawyers are using, you know, Outlook for email and probably Word or Excel for something, and that's about it. I mean, some law firms, to be fair, are, are uh, a little bit more advanced and are using some sort of billing solution or, or combined with other software, but still the day-to-day is very much labor-intensive and, and has a lot of paper pushing in it, which is not at all why a young lawyer went to law school for. So it's a little bit of a shock coming out because the practice of law isn't what you imagined it to be. And you know, it's – go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I have lots to say. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's really it's, – it's, it's interesting because I'm reflecting on some of the things you're saying, and and I'm sort of – processing some solutions in my in my mind thinking gosh it, it just as a side note about law uh, my I, I mentioned that the, before that my daughter went to UCLA and actually yeah. she was a theater arts major so was her best friend and it then her best friend went in and what what was very interesting that you had mentioned is you know just because you studied political science doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be an attorney. What she found as someone that had a theater arts degree, that that was very applicable to being an attorney because there was presentation, there was, you know, compelling evidence, not that you're acting out a role, but you can use vocal variety and you can speak and you have confidence because you've been on stage and you've performed. And it was just a different level of performance. And what I was thinking is, at some point, it seems like what you're just describing should be part of the curriculum for people in law school. I, I don't know if, you're, if that's down the road, but to the technical solutions of being effective as an attorney, um, I can see would be, you know, really important. And maybe that's, that's down the road for you, but it did enter my mind when you talked about you know, when you come out and it's just not really what you were expecting, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah. really fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. I myself was a communications journalism and business major undergrad. So I mm-hmm. wasn't a political science or, or, you know, typical law related uh, majors. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of other students in my school with art background and, and all sorts of even science, science backgrounds. In law, there's really no requirement, so you come with a vast uh, experience in other fields, which makes you more relatable in, in practice. I mean, for me, it was uh, important to develop, you know, writing skills and analytical skills, so I chose those two majors, but I also loved writing, and I was always in family businesses, so I was also interested and had an understanding of it, but it, it's been very helpful for me uh, to come from a different background and, and be exposed to all. Yeah, I think that's great. But so as far as the courses, to... yes, there are some schools that are actually offering it now. Very few. I, I could count them on one hand. Hopefully, it'll be mm. something that will be more common. But you know, um, forget about looking at it from a lawyer's perspective. Yes, you know, it's it's a lot of heavy lifting involved on the part of a lawyers and. We, we want to focus on providing these solutions to, to make their lives easier, to uh, you know, have them work in their passion. You know, 
I don't think anybody spends three years in law school and spends so much time studying for the bar, sits for a three-day bar exam with 50% bar passage rate in California on average to uh, graduate and do paperwork. You know, you were passionate about it to put so much in it, and we want to put these young lawyers or whatever uh, age lawyers back into living and working in their passion. That makes a tremendous amount of sense. So when did so when did you la- la- launch Case One? When did that start? Uh, two years ago, January okay. of last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and just for people that are listening, if they wanted to to look you up, and we can talk more about this as we go through, I just wanted people to know that if they wanted to look up Case One, that it would be spelled C A S E dot. O-N-E. So that's um, how they can, can easily find you um, on the Internet. But you started a, a second company, which it's like, well, if one company is great, why wouldn't you <laughs> be better, right? Oh, my gosh, you're so um, ambitious. I, I, I applaud you and your ambitious and, and your direction. So then you started most recently something called Second Law, right? And I'd like to hear what that's all about. So um, with case one, you know, when you provide technology tools to automate a certain part of the process, it it directly affects clients in a way that if your overhead costs are lower and if you spend less time, especially those lawyers who are billing by the hour, there's a huge amount of cost savings that could be passed on to clients. If you don't have a wood-paneled office you're paying for with expensive assistance, with um, anything you can think of, with, with a person just processing files and paperwork, this, when your overhead is lower, you can reflect that in the pricing that you have for your clients. And, and you know, I, I don't have to say this, that it's public opinion, that attorneys are really expensive, and it's right. true. Uh, because of lack of automation. So when we started selling case one into law firms and legal departments, there was a, we face a huge amount of resistance. So step one of, of the sales process is always convincing them why technology is good. They're afraid of technology. They don't want the change. Uh, they say that they're too comfortable. And then the second part is then convincing them that, uh, that our product is the better one. So it's, 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 difficult to manage that cultural change and Mm -hmm. um, we faced a lot more resistance from small to mid-sized law firms uh, surprisingly Um, so we decided to go back to my original idea which was uh, to implement technology for my own firm and build a law firm that's purely based on technology which it doesn't exist in the world it's the first of its kind to be able to provide legal services at a fraction of the cost. So some law firms choose to implement technology and, you know, really increase their profit margins. In our case, we decided to uh, build a law firm based on technology and pass off our 75% savings directly onto the clients. Now, um, mm. there are some platforms out there uh, that, who provide legal services, and I'm, I'm sure everybody's familiar with like Rocket Lawyer or LegalZoom or something, but these aren't law firms. Yeah. These are marketplaces. They take your client, you know, your information as a client and 
and um, refer the cases out to other attorneys for handling, but it's not a law firm. And if, if the person who's providing you legal services, if, if that is not a law firm with a proper lawyer and a bar license, they're really not bound by all the ethical obligations and rules that attorneys are bound by. In our case, we were able to launch this law firm. Um, we actually don't have an office, so everything is online. Um, obviously, for locals, we're able to meet, but originally at this point, we're starting with immigration practice, and we have all sorts of other services coming. But, um, you know, for just immigration, it's even more important because if your clients are in the country already, that kind of defeats the purpose of their need for immigration services. Obviously, there are people who come here and have the need, but this information is, is best had if, if you had it when you weren't in the country and you could learn and build the process and have access to a reputable attorney um, right away. And there's so many middlemen in, in a lot of countries, and I don't want to get into the horror stories, who charge mm -hmm. these people thousands of dollars for just a simple introduction to an attorney and they all they're part of this network of just charging uh clients and they end up having some really bad experiences so uh, we mm -hmm. wanted to make legal services affordable and accessible which is the main reason why there's an access to justice problem in, in this country even though there's so many attorneys um so we launched second law and and second law really stands for second chances, a second um, generation of law and lawyers, uh, just second law, um, meaning a, yes. a, new, a new law, a new legal system. Um, so that's, that's why we launched Second Law. You know, it's interesting, um, Bahar, because I, I'm looking at your website, and if people wanted to look at this website, it's the number two, N like Nancy, D like David, dot law, and you provide a ton of services, not just immigration services, employment law, family law, business law. I mean, all personal injury. I, I mean, your website's very, very comprehensive and, and really well done because it tells people you. what you can offer. But like you said, without having to without having me as the client have to pay $15 to park in Santa Monica for a one-hour visit. You know, you think of that movie back in the old days called The Firm, Billable Hours, right? That, I mean, it, it's, that term still resonates, and that movie was, what, 20-plus years ago. So for people that are really looking for a variety of reasons that they need legal services to be able to do this, in a in a format like you're offering and and I would also say I could see where some of the difficulties would be and I'm sure you've thought about this for instance this person that requires your services does not have access to a home computer they could go to the library couldn't they mm -hmm. or or their there phones, are places that you know or their phone or their cell phone everyone has one yeah right <laughs> yeah there are yeah, there is. You know, it's amazing um, when you say the phone. I mean, there really are very few people today with without some kind of access to their telephones of some sort. So it's really impressive. Do you? And I can't see this, so I'll just ask because I don't know. Sure. Um, oh, I guess I can see this. So I see that there's a tab that's English. Are there tabs that would allow people to get this information in, in um, other languages? 
Yeah, yeah. So currently we have it in English and Farsi, which is my native language, and Russian, which is mm-hmm. Alice's native language. And we've had requests to have it in uh, Portuguese um, and in Arabic, uh, Chinese. Mm. Um, so in the next uh, 30 days, we're actually launching it in, in all of these languages. And that's not just the website, wow. it's the entire process. So you're working in the system in your language so you can understand what's required of you. And, and uh, I, I do want to say, make, make this point that um, there's a fear that if you're using this type of a service, that you're not getting the attention and the one-on-one, um, uh, the one-on-one with the attorney, and that you're served by some sort of robot lawyer or computerized, and that's not true. Well, how we've implemented technology is to automate the process, the, the background of the paperwork process, so you can get the attention of the lawyer. You know, a lawyer's job isn't to sit there and organize papers in order to be able to read through it. So if the technology uh, collects this, these um, evidence that's required for for your case instead of an attorney making a hundred calls and then billing you by the minutes of those calls, and organizes it in a way where the attorney can actually sit and review it and hasn't lost their patience or attention because they've been, you know, organizing this this stack of papers. Then that that attorney can spend that one on one with you. So. Within our process, we have a built-in consult with the attorney. The entire communications is direct with the attorney. You are not passed off to some assistant or uh, just someone who takes a message and you never get a call back. You're, you're directly communicating with the attorney in real time in a very secure platform instead of you know, sending your confidential information over email or telling someone over the phone. You're working in a secure platform together with your attorney. So it gets it takes away the need to have to call to ask for, you know, what's the status of my case? Was this filed? How many more days? You can just log into your own account and check everything. And it's it's um just think of it uh, the same way that Uber changed the transportation industry. You know, nobody says let me call a taxi anymore, they say let me call Uber or right. Um, same way with how iPod changed the way music was delivered. It took away the record store, so it, take, it took away the overhead. It took away from people having to purchase an entire album when they just wanted a song and obviously then mm-hmm. advanced from there to iTunes and all sorts of other things. So it changed the way music was delivered and, and used. And um, Airbnb changed the hotel industry. So this is really what we're doing for the legal industry. We're not changing the law or the process of the client communication. We're just changing the way it's delivered to you. And it doesn't have to be in, a, in an office where you're sitting across from me anymore. You know, we're, we're living in the age of FaceTime and Skype and video chat. So this is taking the current technology and where the world is into consideration and changing the way legal services are delivered. It's, you know, I can personally relate to this. When I started my hosting of this Born to Talk radio show in uh, April of 2015, while it was an Internet show, I was in a studio, and I was uh, visual as well as audio. And, of course, I had to pay the studio airtime, and there were a lot of extended expenses for me to do that. When the studio closed its doors and I moved over to being a podcaster, 
I can tell you my expenses dropped incredibly. And at the same time, I'm now able to have a guest that is maybe local. You're you're in Orange County. Actually, you're not in Orange County as we speak, but that's another that's <laughs> for another point. But I've had people all, all across the country that just need an hour's worth of their time and a telephone. And I can still deliver what I think is an informative, entertaining, you know, great show that that's different from what what I what we think of as terrestrial radio where you put the radio on and you list for some now you you put on you go to your iPhone and you look for podcasts it's embedded on your phone you type in born to talk radio show hit subscribe and there's my shows you go to google play Absolutely. you go to podcast you type born to talk radio show there's my show subscribe so it um Innovation and technology, um, you're just ahead of the curve, and congratulations <laughs> for recognizing the need and, and doing that. So what do you plan to achieve with, um, with all of these programs? What, what, where, where, are you, where are you leading to yourself with this, with this new vision of Second Law? So um, first and foremost, we we really believe we can change the legal industry this way. The more people involved, the more people uh, empowered with knowledge of their rights and and what they're entitled to will will change everything. You know, knowledge is power. Really, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. So, if mm-hmm. it's accessible to you and if it's affordable to you, what's the excuse not to understand? So, um, this is number one. Number two is um, this is this is the proof of concept. This is the future of law. This is where the legal industry is going. There's a huge hype about legal technology globally right now, uh, and it's it's focusing more on what Case One focuses on, providing technology to lawyers. Uh, but uh, a lot of companies uh, don't go a step further, and a lot of it has to do with the current ethical rules and regulations uh, uh, for attorneys, but. It, nothing is impossible, and with Second Law, we're able to walk that line and provide legal services. And just with the immigration alone, you know, going back to where we started and what I believe in, in uh, freedom of movement, we're not stopping just uh, at the U.S. We're, uh, we're actually adding countries as we go. Next, we're going to add immigration to Canada, and after that, immigration to Australia, and we're, we're going to start expanding to other legal services in other countries. And imagine if you can go and choose where you want to move to from where and understand what's necessary and what you have to do and and really get that advice. So that's my personal goal. It's, it's not it's not the same for my partner. I'm not going to speak for him. His, his is more uh, really in, innovation. And he does believe that we, we could change an entire industry with this. But this is the future of the law. It's, it's an industry that's been very hidden. Um, very inaccessible to people. You have to pay to understand, and that's not the way our world works anymore. It's it's the age of internet. You have access to everything, and there's, in, in my opinion, you can go online and read about anything and and get self-taught. I learn all sorts of things online. Like I've learned an entire uh, how to do marketing by myself online. Law is no exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more and more things online, but. There's something to be said about retaining a professional expert and saving your time and avoiding mistakes. So 
if if we can provide this and if other law firms can provide this, we can all together get rid of this access to justice problem and, and change the system. Well, it, I was thinking another application that you didn't mention that many of us can relate to when you talk about this kind of technology is the medical world. Now we have portals. Sure. Now we can go visit our own medical records. We never used to be able mm-hmm. to do that before. And, and so I think that... I don't know that anybody else is doing what you're doing, but I, the need is just dramatic. And I would imagine, like you say, not just launching that here in the States, but in other countries as well. We're not, we're living in a global world now. And Absolutely. you had mentioned at the top of the hour how some people are, are leaving for a variety of reasons. Could be just plain employment. Could just be that the family is living in another country, they're aging. And they want to, the younger generation wants to be where the older generation is. So, I mean, I can see lots of reasons why people could utilize these, these services. And as you said, you know, if you, if you um, offer these services in more than one language and people can Google, I mean, what, what, how do, you know, I'll sometimes just, you know, just ask Syria questions because I want to know the score of a ball <laughs> game. I mean, how did, we didn't do that, you know, 15 years ago or however long ago we right. started doing those things. So I think that this is just really exciting. What kind of uh, feedback have you received from people since you've, since you've launched, launched your company? So far, it's been very positive, very positive, which mm-hmm. is not what we expected. We did expect a, a little bit of criticism, which is which means there's room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. But sure. um, w- w- people have given us great feedback, you know, uh, from same things that we say about what happened with other industries to the fact that this will provide attorneys the freedom to live anywhere in the world in any state and do what they love beyond the beach and work. And the same with clients. Instead of taking a day out of, you know, you mentioned LA and your $15 parking uh, ticket, and let's not forget about traffic and then sitting oh, in an yes. office and waiting for someone just for an hour of face-to-face and then going through the same, that's the whole day. And, and our hours as attorneys are the same as your work hours. So that means you have to take time off from work. With this, you don't have to do that anymore. Everybody has the freedom of living how they want to live. And when we started, we kind of talked about how, I guess before we started, when we were off the air, we talked about gigs and project-based works and, and how yes. it's, increasing a lot in the, in the current economy this is just another tool for for lawyers as well you know that's not someone you can think of who could do this but they absolutely can which means your lawyer will respond to you at night or over the weekend or be on your time zone and you don't have to sit and wait and, and worry for three days to get a response and the attorney will be happy to do that because they're on a beach with their phone so why not you know they don't have to make the same drive as you to the office so it is, um, it, it's been very positive feedback, luckily, and we're grateful for that. Oh, I bet. Do you, so do you think that this is the future for law? Do you, do you see that more and more people will be doing this kind of practice? Yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of hype in, in, if you read just legal tech news, and, and I, I hate to use the sentence, but it's true, it, um, they say grow or die. 
and it it, it goes mm-hmm. for businesses, it goes for people. If if you don't change and grow, that means you're you're dying. You're you're reversing and you're staying, which means you're not growing mm-hmm. with everybody else. It, it's it's the same for businesses. It's the same for law. So this this is the way things are gonna go. A lot of other markets, like I, I keep going back to Uber, iPod, or Air, Airbnb. It changed because of the market's expectations. It's because you as a person don't want to call a cab and wait and not see where that is, who that is, are you safe, blah, blah, blah. You wanted to use the, the phone app and, and uh, you know, it was a generational change. And it will be the same for the law right now. Um, most people who are, uh, you know, a, a lot of CEOs, a lot of company founders, a lot of decision makers at the time of marriage right now or having children are millennials. And and right. their expectations are completely different. They don't want to talk to somebody on the phone. They don't know what fax is. So for them, this is, these are the types of services they're they're looking for. They don't want to call someone. They want to go online and check. They rather avoid the communications because of efficiency. So uh, there's also statistics that say in the next you know about four years, less than that. 80% of attorneys will be millennials. So their way of providing services as decision makers will also be different. So this is definitely yeah. where the future will be. I can see that. Um, besides law, you have some other areas that you are really passionate about, don't you? Because your, your, <laughs> this new way of living as an attorney provides you that opportunity. So what else, what else do you love? <laughs> I'm involved with a lot of charities. Um, there are a few that are really close to my heart. Uh, animals. And, um, there are some charities I'm involved with that involve animals. I love to travel, and I'm lucky enough that my job provides that opportunity for me. Uh, gosh, sports. Um, mostly traveling, but sports as well. Mm-hmm. Fashion. Just mm-hmm. anything, you know. Uh, I... I my my heart and soul is in traveling, and I haven't had a lot of chances to travel a lot the past couple of years because of work. I am traveling a lot for work, but that means I'm in a conference or in a meeting and don't get as much right. of a chance to get immense in, in a lot of cultures, but that's, um, that's my passion. And we spoke earlier, I'm actually coming back from Arizona right now. I, uh, I had taken three days to go to Sedona, which I love to just mm. be in nature and do hikes and, and turn off. And I'm a huge advocate for technology, but you know, I unplug. So um, I took three days and, and kind of, you know, barely check my emails and check my phone and, and try to stay away to just recharge and refresh and prepare for a busy life. You know, that's, that's so, that's so important to all of us. Uh, and I've I've said this um, oftentimes on my show because it still resonates so profoundly for me. I had a millennial, and it's like, oh, you had a millennial. But I had a millennial <laughs> on my show. Uh, she was very accomplished. She was an actress. She had written a book, blah, blah, blah. And this was, gosh, it was a couple of years ago. It might have even been three years ago. And I was just sort of lamenting about, gosh, I'm just so busy. And she says, I don't use that word. I said, what word do you use? She said, I don't use busy. I use productive. I'm productive. <laughs> that's how I. That's how I like to think of my time, and it, it's fascinating because it's, it's always stayed with me. So, you just mentioned Sedona. 
Um, is that is is that the way that you can just find some balance for yourself to just be out in nature? Because I know that's what I need. That's what I look for. I do. It's you know, I I'm still learning this, and it's so hard to do to just be balanced. You know, find the mm-hmm. right balance and. Uh, usually in everyday life, I try not to work on Sundays. You know, I break down Sunday evenings, but Sundays during the days are from my family. I have lunch with my parents every Sunday, and uh, I'm, you know, in our culture, it's common we're neighbors, and I like to spend time with with my nephew and watch him grow up. So Sundays I I turn off, and um, some Sundays or some Saturdays I just like to go to the beach and just not have my phone but read a book and every maybe every I would like to do it every quarter if I can once every three months for a few days uh, just to really unplug and go somewhere and be in nature so um, it's it's hard to find that balance but we're trying you know I I really understand this I out my friends that know me on, on a personal level know that, you know, some days I can be in front of my computer for four or five or six hours. You know, it just happens. Mondays are a busy computer day. Um, leading up to the show is a, com- a busy computer time. You know, I need to be prepared. I don't want I want to give you, my guests, and any guests that I have after this, my very best attention. But there are days where I just have, for me, I just grab my camera and I go outside. And I get the pleasure of just photographing a heron or a pelican or a rock. I mean, it could be anything. But just being, I don't live far from the beach, just being outdoors, it just really does help balance me. And I think we all need that. And I think that that's what's so exciting, I mean, truly exciting about what it is you're doing, you and Alex together are doing, to take an industry that we all need. I mean, you mentioned it very clearly at the top of the hour, about how law is, that's how we're governed. That's how we know what we're supposed to do. And when there's uh, an issue and you need to have somebody assist you in whatever that problem might be, or or somebody else has a problem and you need help to take care of that problem, it, it's nice to know that you can contact somebody and you're showing all of us and explaining to all of us whether you know, you are a practicing attorney or you're requiring those kinds of, of um, uh, information, what a marvelous way to, to do that. So why don't you say once again the, the websites that people can use to find you? Because I think that we need to repeat that. So they're a little unconventional. So our case one website is www.case.one and that's that's our branding and goes with all of our products, the whole dot one. And Second Law, uh, which is our, our law firm, is 2ndsecond.law, L-A-W. Yes, it's, 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 they're, they're really they're great sites. So, you know, I think that this has really been interesting. I think that I don't know what's – I don't know. You know what I'm – okay, so now I'm being parental. I could see something <laughs> that could be in your future would be a book. I could imagine that at some point you're going to write a book. Maybe it, it might be how to start a law firm, how to start your own business, how to use technology and whatever it is you're doing. Is What what can we look for for you in the, in the near future? Do you have any projects coming up? 
The book is definitely in the near future for right now. The focus is obviously case one and second law, but um, I was just talking about that yesterday. I don't have an exact clear direction, but I'm writing here and there, so let's see what it comes to at the end um, of what message will come across. But, yes, definitely a book. I think that's that's really great. It's funny because I'm going to have um, a guest on my show at the end of the month. His name is Mitchell Levy. And he helps people write a book in eight hours. It's an e-book, oh. and he takes people. You'll have to tune into that, Mitchell Levy. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the aha guy. He's, he's really something. And I was thinking, wow, you know, people say, how do you do what you do? It's like, well, I could write it down, but I don't know. Maybe there's a book in there somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, so it's like, wow, so you're just saying that, but, you know, finding the time. So, I'm just letting people know that Mitchell Levy will, will be on my show in a couple of weeks. But I just wanted to take awesome. the moment now because I know you're traveling and I know you're on your way home and you pulled your car over, which was just so, <laughs> so, so nice that you were able to put the time out to, to do this and to share your story with my, my listeners. And I'm I'm really grateful and I, you know, if you ever find yourself anywhere near LAX, I will just personally invite you over to my neighbor's house because their door is always open day or night. The tea is always on the stove. Is, is the tea always on the stove at your mom's house too? Yes, always. Yep. <laughs> I, I, there's, I, if, if people out there listening, if you have never had Persian tea, it's, it's not Lipton's, I can tell you right now. It's just it's just the best. And uh I I so appreciate always being part of, of my of my family across the street from me. But I just I do wanna thank you so much, Bahar, for, for joining me today. And I look forward to hearing from you. You know, maybe six months from now, maybe we'll we'll do this again and you can let our listeners know what's next in your in your in your world but it sure is exciting and i've sure enjoyed this time with you sounds great thank you for having me okay safe travels home all right thank you okay goodbye everybody we'll see you next Bye-bye. week oh my gosh next next week i'm having oh my goodness next week i'm having carol dewitt on my show she is an intuitive kinesiologist oh yes this is going to be a great show. And if you haven't subscribed to my podcast, it's so easy. If you have an iPhone, your icon is already there. Just hit Born to Talk Radio Show, subscribe, and all my shows will line up there whenever you want to listen. If you're on the Android side, just go to Google Play and do the same thing. Type podcast, Born to Talk Radio Show, and you won't miss any of these interesting shows week after week after week. I'm so very grateful for my life. And now as a side note, I'm getting ready for my Dodger game because we're playing game three tonight against the Brewers. So go blue. And thank you again for joining me, Bahar. I'll I'll see everybody next week. Bye for now. <laughs>